What's going on? Yerks here. Welcome to another episode of Yerks Talks. How we doing? Thursday, December 10th. Hope everybody's having a solid week so far. We got one more day. We got Friday, then we got the weekend. It's exciting. Again, uh, not not too much to talk about today. I'm trying to keep these these videos on Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday shorter. Then uh, and then Friday and Monday we uh, we go a little bit longer. You know, around that hour mark. Because, you know, those are the jam-packed shows. But, uh, yeah, hope everybody's doing good. I uh, hope, uh, you know, you're getting your Christmas shopping done, even though you can't. Well, can you go to the malls? I was reading that. So in California, our governor, who, you know, I'm going to stay out of it, but <laughs> he's not making a lot of people happy right now. Uh, he issued, like, a new stay-at-home order. Now, I don't know how it's going to work because uh, the sheriff in Riverside, which is near where I'm at, I'm in San Diego. Uh, he was, I mean, it's it's like a town in San Diego. So, like, it, it's very close. I'm in Ramona, California. It's very close. It's like 20, 30 minutes away. Uh, he was saying that the sheriff came out, and this was very brave of him to do, right? You know, could get a lot of backlash. But he came out and said that he's not going to enforce this new policy by the governor. So, as I understand it right now, uh, there's still places that are open. They're still doing the outdoor dining and whatnot. And so in some areas, they're not going to enforce it. So, But I, what I did find interesting is that the mall is still open. I heard that the mall is going to be around 20% capacity, which just doesn't seem fair, uh, considering if you're going to close out smaller businesses, which, are, which have smaller occupancy, why would we open up a bigger space to put more people in? It wouldn't... The math doesn't add up to me there. Like, would, wouldn't you be more likely to get corona at the mall when there's where, where there can be more people instead of, you know, a small business that can only seat, you know, maybe like 40 people max? And that and that's considering, like, the outdoors dining area, whereas, like, the mall you can get, I mean, 20% of a mall, I mean, that's thousands of people, right? I think. I don't, I don't know. I'd have to look at, like, the occupancy of a mall but i think that's something like that so yeah that doesn't really make any sense i don't know i'm not gonna try to get too political i'm not telling you what you can and can't do uh, you know just be safe use your noggin i know it's it's hard sometimes i forget to use mine uh but yeah that's that's basically all i want to say about that but on today's episode so top 10 nfl teams we're gonna be covering that uh the list is it's getting you know we're getting down we got four games left for each team and then we got playoffs and so you know we we've kind of uh, last week we didn't have one because I was I was under the weather. I was feeling sick. Didn't record on Thursday. The week prior, you know, you, you got some separation. Um, and then this week, kind of the same thing. There's there's obviously like a top. There's a top two in my opinion now, and then the rest I think you could kind of order in whatever way you feel. So we'll get into that list. And then uh, after that, we got a great Thursday night game tonight. We got the Patriots taking on the Rams. And so we'll preview that game, and then that, then we'll get out of here and get ready for tomorrow's episode where we do a bunch of stuff. All right, so before we get into this, I do want to plug some social media stuff, as always. You can follow me on Twitter, at John Yerkes, for that. I haven't been tweeting a lot this week. I, I, haven't, I haven't felt inspired. No, I don't know what it is. I just haven't been tweeting too much. Um, I'll probably tweet about the game tonight. should be a really uh, good one. You can also follow the podcast on Instagram. At Yerks Talks for that. Um, you can follow on Spotify as well and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. All right. Before we talk some some football, there was one piece of basket hoop news 
uh, that came out today that was, you know, important. Uh, so with the Clippers and Paul George, he just signed a four-year, $190 million extension. $190 million. Crazy. Uh, so he signed that today. He already has $35.4 million guaranteed. So that brings his grand total to over $200 million, so $225 million around that mark. So, yeah, he's a very rich man. Not, not, a, not, and then don't forget about that he was on the Thunder for a little bit, right? And he forced to move there. And so, considering like the money that he left there, that he still is going to get paid for, I think it brings his, like the, the grand, grand total to almost $300 million, which is just insane. Once again, I talked about this yesterday. I don't think you should be able to just force moves out of your organization. Like, you know, James Harden's in that situation right now. It seems like he's going to be able to just not play for Houston and just say, you know what, I'm not going to play. Move me to the Clippers, or not the Clippers. Move me to the, the Nets. Move me to the 76ers. Move me to a contender. And I just think that's just so unfair from the financial side of things. Uh, the players just have so much power in the NBA. It's ridiculous. I mean, case like look at LeBron back in the day when he was on Cleveland. He essentially picked his own roster. He had he had all the power when it came to negotiations and picking up players and things like that. Uh, so it just it it kind of drove me. Um, it drives me insane that the players in the NBA can do that. It's just so crazy. But yeah, I mean, speaking of the Clippers, we all know how their playoff the playoff ends. Well, if you don't, let me remind you uh, they were ahead of they were ahead of the Nuggets. They were up three games to one, and they blew the two-game lead and ended up losing in seven. It was embarrassing. There were calls to, you know, fire Doc Rivers, things like that. And, you know, he got fired, things like that. And, um, you know, it was it was very, it was very bad. You know, it was uh, one of the worst, yeah, losses. I mean, it was just so bad. You know, he lost his job there. Uh, it was just, <laughs> I don't know, man. It was just so crazy that they even lost that game. I, I'm speechless even thinking about it. Uh, they they bring in Tyron Lue, which I, I'm not a huge fan of. I don't think that it, that's a great head coach. Uh, you know, you go back to when he was on the Cavaliers. I mean, that was LeBron's team. Right, where the players have all the power. That was LeBron coaching everybody, and Tyron Lue was just kind of the face. You know, he was the guy in front that, you know, but behind the scenes, it was all LeBron. I don't know if Kawhi Leonard or Paul George are going to be that vocal, so maybe Tyron Lue is a solid coach, but I did, I don't think that he can lead these superstars. Again, um, LeBron gets a lot of credit, but he should get even more because I don't think that. Tyron Lewis is a great coach. I really don't. But, you know, he, who knows with the Clippers? And then you have another question as to, obviously, they believe that Kawhi Leonard and Paul George is the answer. And they're going to be the two guys with the other players that lead them to a championship. They signed Serge Ibaka this offseason from the Raptors. That was a good pickup for them. He can definitely still score. Uh, he can hit, hit from the outside as well. A good, good forward in this league. Um, I just don't know. You need, you need more from Paul George at the end of the day. Now, he did have a couple of games in the playoffs where he was excellent, 
But there were times where he just completely shut off. Also, I know how great Kawhi Leonard is, but he also had some bad games in the playoffs, okay? So, you know, everybody thinks, like, oh, he's the best player ever, you know, winning it with the Raptors and things like that. Toronto's a really good team. They got to the Eastern Conference Finals this year. So, as, as good as Kawhi was for them last year, I mean, they're still a very solid team. Uh, they did lose a ton of pieces, though, and they have a really – they have one of the best coaches in the league right now in Nick Nurse. So, you know, we'll see with the Clippers. Again, I feel like this hire of Tyron Lue is very safe. I don't think that he's a guy that can really, um, you know, be that instant impact coach. I think that their their first season with Tyron Lue might be a little bit underwhelming. They'll make the playoffs because they just have so much talent. But I don't know if he's the guy that can get you over the edge. Whereas, um, you know, look at the guy that the Bulls hired, uh, Don. Um, oh my gosh, Billy Donovan from the Thunder. So that's a guy with a ton of experience that can really impact that young Bulls roster right away. Whereas, like Lou, I mean, the Clippers know who they are. They're very good. They want to be title contenders. Is he the guy? Like I said, to get you over the edge? I don't think so. But we'll see. But you need more from Paul George. He's had a hell of a – he's made a ton of uh, monies uh, over his career. He came back from that gruesome injury in 2017, I believe. You know, he deserves to get paid. I get – you know, on his day, he's a top 10, top 15 at the minimum uh, player in the NBA. He's very good. But just in the playoffs, obviously, we know that he kind of shrinks – um, maybe the moment's too big, things like that. He did have some solid games, like I said, but he needs to be better. they got to do more. Uh, they're just too talented. The Clippers roster is too talented to be up 3-1 in a series and then lose. So something to look forward to. Yeah. Again, basketball is going to start in a couple weeks here, some preseason games, and then we have Christmas, I believe, is when the games, the regular season starts. I'm not quite sure. But, yeah, that's going to be it for basket hoops today. Let's get to the NFL. And the uh, top ten teams here. So, as always, this is one of my fun. This is one of my favorite things to do. I love. I I like lists just in general, whether it's like bullet points or you know top ten lists or things like that. So this is always a fun thing to do. Let's start with the honorable mentions, of course. So uh, they're not on my list, but I did want to give an honorable honorable mention. Let's let's call it that to the New York Giants. All right, the G Men. For those of you that don't know. This team is playing really good football right now. It's not how you start, it's how you finish, right? They're 5 and 7. They've won four straights, four straight, four straights. They've won four straight. Joe Judge has done a tremendous job in his first year as the head coach for them. Offensively, uh, their coordinator Jason Garrett has uh, really done a good job, of, you know, dealing with a ton of injuries. You lose your star running back Saquon Barkley. You, he's been dealing with wide receiver injuries throughout the year as well. Uh, you know, Daniel Jones right now is injured. He might be back this week, but they've been able to move the ball and find ways to score. And that not every team can do that. I mean, shoot, look at the Bears. Uh, you know, so they're and then on the other side of the ball, uh, they are great. They they've done a lot of solid things there. They picked up a couple of really good signings in the offseason. Blake Martinez, their linebacker, he's been phenomenal. Like I said, I believe he's fourth. Right now in the league in tackles, it's over 100. I think he has 105 right now. He's been outstanding. James Bradbury, their corner, he's really stepped up this year. Uh, they've been awesome. So, yeah, they're an honorable, honorable mention this week. At number 13, I got the Baltimore Ravens. So I kind of – I get, I did my piece. If you didn't hear that, 
my talk about Lamar Jackson and the Ravens. Look up yesterday's video. I go in depth about how we were kind of critical, and myself included, about Lamar. And all he does is win right now. 27-6 and six record. Uh, the Ravens defense, we know that they're very good. Calais Campbell is a little bit banged up. You saw that in that game on Tuesday night. He was struggling out there, but he still had an impact. He's just that dominant of a player. He's fantastic. I mean, the Ravens, they run the hell out of the ball. They had almost 300 yards rushing a couple, uh, two days ago. They're outstanding in that category. Uh, they can still sling it, though. Lamar Jackson gets the job done as far as passing goes. What he can do, running the ball, I mean, it's just nothing like you've ever seen. Incredibly special. I mean, that that's just putting it lightly. I mean, he's just a sensation. So, you know, I think they're going to run the table here. I think they're going to finish 11-5 and five and make the playoffs. They're at 13 for me. At 12, I got the Indianapolis Colts. So, they, they are an interesting team. Because I feel like they're well coached. I feel like they have the right GM, right head coach. I think they had a great draft this year. Uh, they're getting production from their rookies. Jonathan Taylor and their wide receiver Michael Pittman, uh, both guys that have had you know an impact this season. Philip Rivers has been good, great for them, especially in the second half of the season. He had some turnovers in the first half, but they've cut that out. Also, the offensive line it might be the best O line in football. Rivers has only been sacked nine times, which is the fewest. They haven't they haven't turned the ball over a lot as of late. Their defense is top five in the league, but. But they really do struggle in a, in two areas, and I, I talked about this last, uh, I think on Monday, actually. They are terrible on third down, one of the worst teams on third down on offense, and they're awful in the red zone. They they The reason why this Blankenship rookie that they have, their kicker, he's been getting so much hype, goggles out there, is because it's like with the Falcon situation with, with Young Wei Koo, their kicker, is that they've had to kick. He has them, He scored the most points on his team. Blankenship and Young Ho- Young Way Koo. So, I mean, you don't want that. You don't want your kicker to be in the news, right, ever, like good or bad. You don't want him to be the highlight because it means that you're not you're, – you're, you're leaving a lot of points out there, and that's exactly what the Colts are doing. The fact that this game came down to last week, a Deshaun Watson fumble on a bad snap, I mean, they only won by six points. And I felt like they were dominating that game, and so they have to get better than these two areas. If they do, then I think they can really, they really can contend in the AFC because that defense is very talented. They've got solid weapons all over the place. Ty Hilton, their their uh, number one wide receiver, he's had a rough season, but now he's getting it going. These past two weeks, he's had um, really solid games. So yeah, I mean, we'll see with the Colts. They just got to get better in those two areas. At eleven, a team that beat them couple weeks ago the Tennessee Titans they infuriate me though I talked about this yeah I think I talked about this two weeks ago too when I was doing that list they bug the absolute shit out of me because they are so good they have games where they dominate you where they completely just from the from the start of the game it's over like they they just and that's exactly what they did to the Colts now Indy did have some key defensive guys out but still, to put up that many points against a very solid Colts team, it's very impressive. But then they have games like last week where they get completely bent over by the Browns. Like they were a 5.5-point favorite in that game, and they completely ran over. It's, 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 it's very frustrating to watch Tennessee on, I mean, kind of on both sides of the ball. 
Defensively, they don't have a pass rush at all. And their secondary is one of the worst secondaries in the league. Straight up. So if you can't get pressure on the quarterback, which you couldn't do against Cleveland, then whoever's back there slinging it is going to have a great day. That seems to be one of the things. Number two, they are terrible when they have to play from behind. It, that's not what they want to do. Very similar to the Ravens. When they're not leading, it, it's it's a struggle for them. Derrick Henry doesn't get as many touches. Tannehill has to sling it like 30-plus times. They have the people on the outside to do it. they got very talented people. Corey Davis is having his best season as a pro. Uh, you got A.J. Brown, incredible. John Smith. Adam Humphreys is coming back from injuries, too. He had a he had a huge drop pass that resulted in an interception last week that maybe Tennessee actually could have gotten back into that game. They don't quit. There's a lot of fight in them, which I, you know, which means they're well coached. Mike Vrabel, I think, is a very solid coach in this league. But there's just things that they leave on the table, and there's just games where they just don't show up. And so they're at 11 for me. All right, let's get to the top 10 here. Like I said, I think there's two teams at the top that are that have separated, and then three through maybe like seven, you could you could change the order, I think. All right, so at 10, I got the Miami Dolphins. 18 straight games now that their defense has forced a turnover. That's outstanding. Uh, Kyle Van Noy had a big week last week, too. He had three sacks. Uh, their defense is very talented. They think have the best special teams unit in the league. And Brian Florence knows this, so he plays to that strength. And um, Tua back there, he he's kind of like a again. His comp is not like Kyler Murray or Russell Wilson. It's it's more like Drew Brees. You know, very undersized guy that likes to that's very accurate throwing the ball in the pocket. You know, not not a crazy not crazy athletic, but that's who he is. So you know, he hasn't turned the ball over yet, which is really impressive. Um, they don't force him to do too much. I did like that they allowed him to kind of sling it last week. You know, he had he had over, I believe he passed over 30 times, which is good. Uh, their schedule is brutal down the stretch here. They got the Chiefs, the Patriots, and the Bills, three out of their last four. Uh, it's 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 terrible. They're sitting at eight and four right now. If they're able to win two or three of those games, they'll probably make the playoffs. And you can definitely make an argument that Brian Flores should deserve um, coach of the year. So, yeah, they're at 10 for me. At 9, and you could probably make an argument that they could be the 10th team. I got Seattle at 9. This is more just I've seen the Seahawks over the past few years, and I know what they're capable of, and I know what they do come December. This is, a, this is just a respect pick for them at number 9. So let's start with the things that are a problem. Obviously, the offensive line stinks. They got, they got destroyed last week against the Giants with a very good defense. Russell Wilson hasn't been cooking. He's had, I guess, an offseason, although he's been very good. Um, you know, they've been dealing with injuries with Chris Carson, their running back. His backup, Carlos Hyde, they've been banged up. They need those guys down the stretch. The, the plan with Seattle is this. They have to be able to run the ball. Russell Wilson, as much as we love him cooking and slinging it and passing over 300 yards, it's not sustainable for the Seahawks. They don't need that. What I will say, though, is that um, – I think they're still going to win this division. That I, that I've, I've been very adamant about that. I think the Rams have the best opportunity to. It's in their hand, but I still think that Seattle finds a way to win the NFC West. Their defense is getting better every week. They're improving. They now have a pass rush. 
their second-year player, LJ Collier, and then bringing in Carlos Dunlap from the Bengals. That's improved there. Jamal Adams, we know how much of a stud he is. So, yeah, they're going to be making the playoffs. They're going to be in contention. I know they lost to the Giants last week. Giants are actually a pretty good football team. A lot of teams lose to them. Uh, Seattle's got some problems, but I, I trust Russell Wilson and the coaching staff and Pete Carroll long-term. They just find a way to get that stop on defense, to make that play on offense, you know, to set them up for a game-winning field goal. That's what Seattle does, and they're at nine for me. At eight, I said I would do it if they won or if they played a, they played a solid game. The Cleveland Browns, they're at eight for me. Uh, you can make an argument they could be higher. I just, I'm not going to go all in, okay? I know they're nine and three, but I'm not going to freak out. Now, I'm going to give them a break in the second half of that game against the Titans because some people might be saying they looked, well, the Titans almost came back. Cleveland was up, I think, 35-7 to seven at half, or 38-7. to seven. They were up something ridiculous. They were up 30 points at half. They've never been up 30 points at half. So they had no idea what to do with that monstrous of a lead. Like, they, don't, they didn't know what to do. So they looked, they looked bad on the, in the second half. But that's just because, I mean, how, how often are you leading a team by 30 points at halftime? Not very often. So they just looked like a chicken with their head cut off. They, they had no idea what was going on. So I give them a break there. When Baker plays like that, and he was phenomenal, I think that this team can probably win a playoff game, if not two. Like they they are great on offense. Kevin Stefanski, his hat's got to be in there for coach of the year. He has been great. The thing I love that he's done this year, and not enough coaches do it, is recognize your personnel and play to their strengths. And that's, you know, he recognizes that Baker Mayfield might not be the best quarterback out there, but you know what? We're going to set him up to succeed. Um, you know, you have, have a great offensive line. They went out and bought some pieces. They bought Conklin from the Titans, a solid piece. They got pro- arguably the best rookie offensive lineman in the draft, Jedrick Wills. They got him at, I believe, the, the sixth pick, which people thought he was going to be the first, or maybe they got him later than that. People thought he was going to be the first offensive lineman off the board. And he wasn't, and then he fell to the Browns, and so he's been fantastic. One of the rookies that you haven't really heard much about because he's just doing his job is Jedrick Wills. He's been outstanding for Cleveland and their running game and just everything about them. And then, you know, the great offensive line, we're going to run the hell out of the ball. We have the two best – we have the best one-two punch at running back in Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. And then when we're able to run the ball, it sets up our play action – we have talented guys on the outside. Jarvis Landry, you have Rashad Higgins, second-year player. You have Donovan Peoples-Jones, a rookie who had a deep touchdown last week. Uh, side note I wanted to mention here, as great as Odell Beckham Jr. is, the Browns are better without him. Which is weird to say, but sometimes it just doesn't work, man. Sometimes you got to get a divorce, things like that. It just has not worked for them. It seems like when Odell's in there, Baker tries to force in the ball, makes mistakes, things like that, where it's like with with him out of there, it's like it kind of loosens up Baker a little bit. He's he's out there, he's loose. He was having fun on Sunday, man. He was out there, he was, you know, in the celebrations, he was doing his thing, like dancing down the field, whatnot. So, yeah, I think – it takes pressure off Baker that he feels like he doesn't have to get the ball to OBJ constantly. So, yeah, they they function better without one of the best wide receivers in the league, which is kind of crazy to hear, but that's how their offense works. Their defense also, solid defensive line, uh, They could, but their secondary does concern me. They are a little bit weak there, um, so I have concerns there. But uh, they're at eight for me. 
I don't know if they'll make the playoffs probably because they have nine wins right now, but I still see them losing three out of their last four games. At seven, and this is where you could probably make the argument that they should be lower, the Pittsburgh Steelers. They are falling, man. They are falling fast, and I don't know how you stop them. Uh, like from, you know, they're still a very good team, right? It's not it's not due to the, wa- the loss to Washington, okay? Even though, like, I mean, that they, they played last Wednesday, and then they had to play on a Monday. I mean, you know, they were on short, short rest. Washington played. Their last game was Thanksgiving. And then, it, you know, so they had a long, long rest. So that was part of it as well. But, I mean, Pittsburgh can't run the ball right now. They can't stop the run. They're very thin at linebacker now after another guy went out. He's probably done for the season with a knee injury. They already lost Devin Bush at the beginning of the year. Then Bud Dupree went out two weeks ago. They are extremely thin there. Um, the offense at times is not clicking, similar to our number one team, where they just they sometimes have to flip a switch late in games to go down there and score. Uh, yeah, you, you can't expect Big Ben to throw it 53 times. You can't sustain that. Nobody can sustain that, especially when you have, I mean, especially Roethlisberger because he's so freaking old, you know? <laughs> like, you can't have him do that. These these older veteran quarterbacks, you can't have Drew Brees out there slinging it 50-plus times. You can't, like, over several games. You just can't do that. So, yeah, I'm really concerned for the Steelers. But the thing that they do have going for them is they have one of the best head coaches in the league in Mike Tomlin. And their defense, although it's really struggled stopping the run, they are still very talented. T.J. Watt right now, I mean, he's been incredible. You have Minka Fitzpatrick in your secondary. So they do have pieces. I mean, I'm not going to panic, but they they are on the decline. At six, I got... The Tampa Bay Bucks. Oh, we forgot about the Bucks. Yeah, they had their bye this week, and I think they're going to come out this weekend and just blow the top off whoever they're playing. Tom Brady is excellent off a of bye. Uh, he's, you know, they're they're going to come in recharge with a new mindset. Their defense is still very solid. They're still very talented. We know about their issues on offense, where at times it feels like they have no idea what they're doing. Bruce Arians has been out coached several times this year. You had the game against the Rams, the game against the Saints, and then the game against Kansas City, where if the Chiefs had not put their foot off the gas, they would have won by 30-plus 30 point, 30 points. So it'll be interesting to see how the offense looks off the bye, but I just, at the end of the day, you trust Tom Brady, you trust the defense that's been solid all year with, with those three disgustingly talented linebackers in Devin White, Shaquille Barrett, and, oh my goodness, I'm blanking on his Levante David. There we go. Did it. So yeah, I trust I trust them. Long term, they're at six for me. At five, I got the LA Rams. They don't move much for me. So they had a good win against Arizona last week. It's a good matchup for them. You gotta take you gotta take the Niner games out of it, okay? They just San Francisco has the Rams numbers. All right. Kyle Shanahan knows how to outcoach Sean McVay. That they just they're just a bad matchup for the Rams. All right, so take those two games out of it. And the Rams have been solid all year. They have had a couple of hiccups on offense. They have. But you just look at that. I think they're the most put-together put together roster in the league. They have the best secondary in the league, in my opinion. They have the best defensive player in the league, and Aaron Donald. They're linebackers. They're maybe that's the one area you could say they need to get better at. But then you go on the other side of the ball. Obviously, it hurts having your best 
offensive lineman. Andrew Whitworth, your left tackle, be out for the rest of the season, most likely. But Note Boom is the guy who stepped in. He's done a really solid job for them. Uh, they have great weapons. Uh, they think they have the most talented running back. Um, I think they have the most talent, the most depth at running back in the league with Cam Akers, the rookie who got most of the touches. You, you'll probably be, probably be seeing more of that. Daryl Henderson and then Malcolm Brown. They're all they're all very good. They all give you something different on offense. They've been good. I've talked about this a lot with their weapons on the outside too, with Cooper Cup and Robert Woods. They have very talented tight ends in Tyler Higby and Gerald Everett. Um, you know, Jared Goff as well. People give him a lot of stick, but if you can keep him upright and comfortable in the pocket, move the pocket around, some play action, just, you know, things like that. He's a great quarterback. He had a great week last week against Arizona. And so they're at five for me. And they could be higher, but right, I'm going to temper expectations. So they're at five. At four, I got the Green Bay Packers. This is out of respect for Aaron Rodgers, who's killing it. Probably going to win the MVP of the league right now with the way he's playing. When you have Triple A, right, when you have him, Devontae Adams, and Aaron Jones, you always have a chance. I still think that their defense sucks against the run. And Green Bay also is not great from playing from behind. They get punched in the face early. They tend to fold over like lawn chairs. But they're still a very talented team. And the way that Rodgers is playing, I mean, you're always going to have a chance at the end of the day. At three, I'm circling the wagons, the Buffalo Bills. How great did Josh Allen look on Monday night? He was fantastic. Uh, the offensive line, too. Big kudos to them. The Niners couldn't get any pressure. Probably the best pass-protecting line in the league. They do struggle at running the ball, and they're trying to get better at that. Devin Singletary had some solid runs on Monday night. They're going to have to be able to start running the ball better. I mean, they just have to. Come playoff time, you, have, you cannot be one-dimensional on offense. They have to be able to run the ball. And so they're really trying to figure that out, try to improve that. You might see more Josh Allen runs as well. What was so impressive about that win on Monday night was, I mean, Josh Allen, number one, but the fact that they looked so good on offense without John Brown, because that's been their biggest issue this year, is that when he goes down and he's on the IR, the, on the IR right now, I believe he comes back in two weeks. Uh, but they've looked outstanding. Uh, Cole Beasley has really stepped up this year in John Brown's absence. We all we already know about Stephon Diggs. He already passed 1,000 yards receiving. Third straight year, he's done that. But, yeah, those two guys have been huge. Uh, they've been, they're very talented on that side of the ball. They have no problem scoring. Defensively, also, they keep getting better. I believe they have the most – turnovers and the most forced turnovers in the fourth quarter on defense this year they've been outstanding in that category late in games which is, which is just a testament to their head coach Sean McDermott and that coaching staff they've done a great job uh, again I mean I, I would love the Bills to take it all this year big fan of the Buffalo Bills and Bills Mafia love what they're doing out there so yeah they're at three for me at two and this these, for me, they picked themselves. So the New Orleans Saints are at two for me. They were my Super Bowl pick going into this season. The defense is playing how I thought they would play all year. They're great. They got a ton of energy. They're getting after the quarterback. Uh, Marshawn Lattimore has been great on the outside, covering those big-name wide receivers. They've been fantastic. Looking forward to, I believe it's next week, we get Saints-Chiefs. That should be an outstanding game. Uh, you know, Also, Sean Payton, what he's been able to do without Drew Brees at the helm, 
is fantastic. 8-0 without Drew Brees these past two seasons. It's phenomenal. I mean, not a lot of coaches could do that, so just tip of the cap to you, sir. Taysom Hill, obviously we know the offense does not look as good without Drew Brees, but he's done a solid job. Uh, you know, you got other players being healthy as well. Alvin Kamara has not been used as much, which which is okay. With Taysom Hill in there, it's kind of hard to get. You know, you're going to run more with Taysom Hill and not run as much with Alvin Kamara. Michael Thomas has looked great these past couple weeks, been the safety valve for Taysom Hill. Uh, they look healthy. Emmanuel Sanders has been involved as well. I love this team, and when they get Drew Brees back, I mean, look out. I mean, I, I think that they're going to be really tough to beat in the NFC, and this could be your potential Super, Super Bowl matchup, Saints and the number one team here, the Kansas City Chiefs. It's a no-brainer. They're, they're so good, right? I mean, they're just extremely talented. They, yeah, they frustrate me, which I'm sure that they do for a lot of other people, especially Chiefs fans, because – I think that they they just know that they're better than everybody else, right? And so I think that's why maybe they take things very lack lack lackadaisical on offense, and don't always put teams away. And so they just have to kind of flip a switch. But watching that Sunday night football game last week against Denver, even when the Broncos were like up at half, even when the game was close, you knew that the Chiefs were going to win. There wasn't. There's never a, a fear. When you're the Chiefs, they you, there's never a moment where like, oh shit, we could actually lose this game. That never comes into the, that never comes into like play. They're always in games. They're always going to be in games as long as they have Mahomes and you know the weapons on the outside. Now, long term, you're not going to be able to keep everybody, but I mean this this team right now is built to like repeat. Like you know, you don't see that a lot in. Football, it's extremely hard, man. It's hard to win games in this league. I mean, it's hard to win, period, in any sport. So, I mean, like, they, they look primed, and they are they are clearing away the best team in the NFL. I, I just worry about the flipping the switch thing because there could be a game. Now, I don't know because, I mean, they're just so dominant on offense. They can just score at, like, you know, just like that. They're so quick. They can score lightning fast. But there could be a game come playoff time or they are down a bazillion points, and it'll be extremely hard for them to flip that switch and be able to recover that. We've yet to seen it. Last year, we thought we maybe saw it, where they were down a bunch to Tennessee and a bunch to Houston, but they came roaring back. They were down to the Niners in the Super Bowl as well. They came roaring back. So we've yet to see it, but you, you figure that one day their luck is going to run out, and they won't be able to come back. So that's my like only concern. But I think come playoff time, they'll probably just blow the top off everybody and they'll play like they want to win every game. And so it won't even be close. So they're the number one team. No shock here. And that's my top 10 list. I mean, you know, I think it's pretty solid. I think I do a pretty good job with that. All right. Last thing we'll talk about today is the Thursday night football game between the six and six Patriots. They come to to, to L.A. to take on the eight and four Rams. L.A. is a four and a half point favorite, which seems a little bit high for me. I think this is going to be a great game. We'll start with the Patriots. As always, a ton of people are listed as questionable. I'll go over the noticeable names. So the right guard, Shaq Mason, he's questionable. Defensive end, Lawrence Guy, who had a great game last week. Linebacker, Jaywan Bentley. And then their cornerback, J.C. Jackson, who is second in the league right now in interceptions with seven. Those are some key guys that are listed as questionable. They will probably play. For the Rams, their linebacker Micah Kaiser was placed on IR. 
Their safety, who they thought they were going to get back this week, Taylor Rapp, who's been on IR, he won't be back for this game. Something to watch tonight, though, their kicker, Matt Gay. So remember, they had a rookie kicker earlier in the season. They, they went away from him. They've been trying to find a kicker, and so Matt Gay is their guy. Uh, he is questionable for this game with a shoulder injury. If he can't go, it's going to be Austin McGinnis, who was on the practice squad. So he'd be the guy kicking the field goals for the Rams. There are several teams this year that have records that don't indicate how good that they really are. You have the Houston Texans, who have had a brutal schedule this year. Uh, so their record, I think they're better than their record shows. The Giants... How, like, you know, their schedule hasn't been brutal per se, but they're playing really good football right now. Like I said, they've won four straight, so they're better than the record indicates. Obviously, we know about the Niners. They've had a ton of injuries this year, right? I think that their their record doesn't indicate how good they are, right, at full strength. And then, you know, there's a bunch of other teams, too. I think the Panthers also are a team that's trending upward. I think, you know, the Steelers, right, in the opposite direction where – their record, I think that they're worse than their record shows. And then, yeah, so, I mean, there's a ton of teams. And New England is one of those teams, right? You look back at some of their losses. So they lost to Seattle in week two. That was a fourth and goal where they got stopped. They lost to – they had some COVID games against the Broncos and the Niners where they were dealing with some corona shenanigans. So, I mean, you could take those out maybe. They had the game against the Bills where they were a fumble away from winning that game or at least sending it to overtime. So, yeah, they've been in a couple games. I mean, this team could very easily be at eight or maybe nine wins. So the record doesn't indicate how good this team really is. What it comes down to tonight is if, and, I mean, this might seem very straightforward, but if you, like, Jared Goff being comfortable. And it might seem dumb because it's like, well, shouldn't every, like, isn't that, like, you know, strategy for every quarterback? Some more than others, all right? You can blitz people like Russell Wilson and Patrick Mahomes and like the more agile quarterbacks like Lamar Jackson and Kyler Murray and you know hell even like Ryan Tannehill he's actually pretty good with pressure and they'll be able to like Josh Allen they'll be able to get out of it and still trying to make plays down the field it's the guys who are like less mobile right your uh, baby drafts out there like Philip Rivers uh Jared Goff Jimmy Garoppolo right they're not as mobile um people like that your stereotypical quarterback right like the tall big arm throws deep right so that's the big difference here Jared Goff like needs to be comfortable and I think that Sean McVay does a great job in doing that I touched about it a little bit with the top 10 list where you know they'll try to establish a run they'll they'll do screen plays get the ball out quick they'll move the pocket with play actions and rollouts things like that so that's what this game comes down to tonight if the Patriots can get pressure with their with their with their front four, which they were able to against the Chargers last week, um, in that dominating game against them, forty five nothing, they were able to do that. If they can do that in this game, I think that they really have a chance for the upset. Offensively, though, New England troubles me because I you know they they do find ways to score, but it looks horrendous, man. I, I it's it's crazy to me. I think Cam Newton is gonna have to probably throw the ball more than 15 times in this one which is like that's what that's what his average has been for like the last two three weeks they don't throw the ball and i think that the the rams defense has been able to stop the run this year they've been great in that category their their secondary is very talented as well best secondary in football in my opinion and so i don't know how they're going to look on offense i mean they just have to find a way to run the ball 
Patriots do. That's what it's going to come down to. They have to find a way to run the ball because on the outside, their wide receivers are very they, – they're not talented. They're not good. Uh, you know, you have Nikhil Harry, who looked great coming out of Arizona State. He is he's, – he's, he's, he's kind of been a bust. He can't separate. You know, he's, he's been terrible. Jacoby Myers has been the only bright spot for New England this year. I mean, he's a fifth-year player. You know, but I mean, somebody has to perform. If Jalen Ramsey goes on him, I don't know how they pass the ball in this game. So for that reason, I'm going to take the Rams here. This is also a rematch of the Super Bowl from a couple years back where the Patriots just dominated that game, where Bill Belichick just straight up outcoached Sean McVay. So I think that he wants to get back at that. There's like a personal grudge there. Also, I just think that the Rams are going to be able to move the ball on offense more consistently than the Patriots are. That's what it comes down to for me. I I don't know. It's not. I don't think it's going to be a high-scoring game. I think it'll be very close. The kicking situation for the Rams is something to definitely watch for this one. But at the end of the day, I do trust Sean McVay in that offense over New England's. Just because they, they cannot pass the ball at all. And if the Rams are able to stop the run... I think it could be a long night for Cam Newton. So I'm going to take the Rams here at home to win this game. I don't know if they'll cover. Four and a half I thought was a lot. So maybe New England covers, but I like the Rams at home to get the dub. All right, that's going to do it for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. I do appreciate it. Hey, tomorrow it's Football Friday, favorite episode of the week. We're going to recap this one, and then we're going to preview all of the week 14 action on Sunday in the NFL should be a great one. If you enjoyed this episode, like I said, feel free to share it with friends, family, people you know, things like that. Hope you're having a solid week so far. Have a great rest of your Thursday. Go watch some sports, and I'll see you in the next one.